0: Welcome to Serious Faith, a podcast exploring the Gospels story by story to discover the way of Jesus. Greetings, everybody. It's another week of Serious Faith. Here we go, John chapter 9. It's going to be good. Jesus is doing some cool stuff again, all right? We're in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, and uh, here we go. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who has sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Jesus said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went away and washed, and when he returned, he could see. Well, all right, what a passage. Uh, All right, so uh, let's just jump right in, as we have been keen to do. Where do we see serious faith in this passage? So, how do we live it out? Uh, we got Jesus, who's walking along, and, and if you remember, he's just kind of had an encounter with really religious people, and I think that's worth mentioning because his encounter with the religious people is sort of argumentative. It is, um, it's based on you know what do you believe, what do you stand for. It's it's abrasive. It's kind of almost like attacking, and then you have Jesus sort of like flip the switch off, right? And so as Jesus walked along, he sees a man who is blind from birth. Uh, I mean, picture this, like this guy has never been able to see. I mean, can you imagine, like, you know, you have an accident and you've always been able to see and now you can't. You know, that's one thing, but to never have been able to see, right? And so his disciples, probably because of all the conversations he's been having with the religious people, the disciples ask instead of assume things about Jesus. And so they say, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind, this man or his parents? Right, and so it's based on this idea that that sin is sort of like physically passed down. That like if I if I do something sinful, my child then will inherit you know something that sickness, physical sickness always comes directly from someone's sin. And so they're asking you know like who sinned? Was it this guy or his parents? You know, which I think is an interesting question because it says he was born blind, and maybe they didn't know that, right? But I I find it interesting because. It says he was born blind, and they want to know who sinned to make him blind, this guy or the or his parents, you know. And so it's like, yes, this man sinned while he was still in his mother's womb. <laughs> right? Like yeah. So it's just, you know, and so maybe they didn't know. I don't know. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Either way, they ask a good question here because this is a common belief of that time period that sickness comes directly from sin. And and so Jesus provides an answer and he says, Neither he nor his parents. Now, this is interesting because, as I just said, they think that it comes from sin. Somebody had to have sin if sickness is here, right? Which honestly sounds crazy to some of you, but it actually kind of makes sense, like that flow, right? Like we believe as Christians that, that sin causes death, that it brings about death at some point. And so, of course, the sickness is what leads to death. So why would not sickness be a symptom of sin, so Jesus says, look, in this instance, neither he or his parents have sinned. It says, this happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. And he says, look, God's going to do something really cool in this guy right now. <laughs> right? And it's almost like, it's, it's almost like Jesus asking them not to get caught up in the semantics. Right? Not to get caught up in, well, who was at fault for this? Right? And it's almost like, what Jesus is saying is let's focus less on who's at fault and focus more on who's going to fix it. <laughs> let's focus more on on how we're going to get this right, how God is going to set things right, than on how we got to where we are. Because there are situations, like with this guy, where he says nobody was at fault. right? Like nobody sinned. It wasn't his parents. It wasn't him. He's blind. And so this happens so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. And he has these interesting verses. He says, While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. He says he says, Look, the light is here. I'm the light, he says, right? While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And while the light is here, we do the work of him who sent me. We do the work of God, right? So in other words, when we have Jesus, we're expected to do the work of him who sent him, right? We're expected to do the work of God, to 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 bring about this light in a dark place. Because night is coming when no one can work. Right? Because there will come a time when this is not the case. There will come a time when it's too late. There will come a time when it's just simply too late. So while we're here, and while we have the light, let's do the work of God. Now, before I go any further, we have to talk about that a little bit. Because, honestly, the first time I read through this, I, I looked at these verses and I thought, well, what in the world is he talking about? Right. Now, if, you, if, if you're being honest, you have had moments like this, too. If, you, if you've been reading Scripture for any amount of time, you've had moments where you get to something Jesus says and you go, what is he talking about? What does he mean by this? How, how, how does it even work? <laughs> and so, when you think about it like this, that, you know, when it's daytime, when we have the light with us, we have to do the work of the person who sent us, right? It's very similar to, um, you know, when you have a job, You go to work, and guess what work you do? You do the work that they're paying you to do. And so he says, look, while it's still daylight, while it's still daytime, and you have the light here, shining the light, go do the work. Go do what God's asked. And so he does. So what does he do? He says, well, he knows what the Father wants to do. He wants to bring light and life and healing to a broken world. So after he said this, he spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva, and he smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Now, let's just be real. That sounds disgusting, right? Like, Jesus spits on the ground. He makes some mud using his own spit, then he rubs it in the dude's eyes. And it makes me think of, uh, you know, I I lead a a small men's group on Wednesday mornings, and we've been uh, going through the book of Mark. And there's a a verse in Mark where Jesus, it says uh, this guy couldn't hear it. So he takes his fingers, and he basically plucks them in the guy's ears. To, to unclog the guy's ears basically to get him to be able to hear again. And I and I'm reminded of like the creative power of Jesus. And you know, just he has so many different ways of, of healing people and and so often it's it's via touch. Sometimes it's just by telling them, you know, hey, go do this and they they get better. Um but he has such he's so creative in the way that he does things. And what's interesting here, is I, when I read this, I immediately thought back to Genesis. You know, when God is making creation for the first time and he's creating things, it says he He took it from the dust of the earth. He created us. He created us from the dust of the earth. And I think here, because Jesus takes his own, his own spit. And and I think we've talked before in this podcast about the fact that like water is sort of associated to the Holy Spirit and, and in baptism, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff there, but, but water and the Holy Spirit often go together. And so, So in a weird sense, what I immediately thought of is, is this connection, like that, that water, this, the spit of Jesus, the, the, the water of life, living water, remember that living water combined with the mud of the earth. It's, it's almost like a recreating, right? And I, and I love, I love talking about creation because God creates all kinds of cool stuff. I think our bodies are wickedly cool. And I think creation in general is, is amazing, but but what we don't talk about enough is the recreating power of God, right? Because God created it, sin destroys it, and then God comes along through through Jesus and, and by the work of the Holy Spirit. God comes along and he recreates what has been broken in the world that was once perfect, right? It's like he crafted what he wanted the world to look like. Sin came in and ruined it, and God came back in, and God comes in and he says... He doesn't come back in because he didn't leave. But God comes in and he says, actually, it should look like this. (laughs) And he does this recreating power. And that, to me, is one of the coolest things about what Jesus does. And it's what he does here. He smears in the guy's eyes. He, He recreates. You get this picture of Genesis, him recreating in this guy. And he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the man went away and he washed. And when he returned, he could see. Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. God does cool stuff. I love this and, and honestly it, it makes me think back to my my time i did a trip to cuba a few years ago and with my seminary and it was incredible i mean cuba's in the middle of revival and i share this story all the time but we got to see a man literally just like this he was blind he came to the service he left seeing <laughs> right god's recreating power and it's amazing i mean absolutely amazing and it's that same recreating power he, he dishes out to us. And I and I, have, I have to, I, the question I'm asking myself is really twofold. Am I, have I allowed God to recreate me? Right, have I given God full reign in my life to recreate who I am? To, to take out the things that don't belong, to put in the things that do belong. Have I given God that authority in my life yet? You know, I, I want to say I have, but are there pieces that I've had that I haven't? You know, these, these are the kind of questions I think of. How, how can I make sure that I'm fully giving myself over to the recreating power of God, knowing that when God recreates me, I'm going to be way better off than when I started? But the other piece to this, I think, is thinking back to where Jesus talks about doing the work of him who sent him while there's still light. Uh, if I'm going to be the light of Jesus, you know, the city on a hill that he talks about, the, the, the light that you don't put under a bowl, <laughs> if, that's, if that's what I'm going to be... Am I being that? Like, if I'm going to do the work of him who sent me, I'm going to do it in the light. The light is with me right now. Am I participating in the recreating work of God? Am I, am I participating in helping God and being an, an instrument for God to recreate the earth, to recreate creation, to show, to shine light in dark places? Does the way I live my life show people that God can make things new. You know, I, I think of just, even just simple logistical questions, you know, when's the last time I shared my testimony with somebody who who I know doesn't know Jesus? When's the last time I prayed for somebody, like, in, like, you know, I, and I think of this all the time, because I, you know, if you don't know this about me, I, I studied charismatic church renewal in seminary, and I come from a very, like, charismatic background, lots of laying on of hands and, and praying for the sick. When I was in seminary, I was hitting that hard. I mean, it was every class I was in. But then I think now, like you know, how many times have I walked by somebody who's sick, or they say, "Oh man, I'm suffering from this or that," and I go, "Man, that's so great. I'm gonna pray for you." When I could just be praying for them right then, like it's a, "Hey, can I pray for you? And lay hands on them right then and pray for their healing, the recreating power of Jesus." And you might say, "Well, well, you know what, Chad, I'm not really comfortable with that. I, I, you know, that's not that's not how I know Jesus. I don't know Him to be recreating." you know, I don't, I don't see him doing these miracles. And, and that may be true. You may have never seen that. And that's okay. I'm not trying to push you into that. Um, All I'm saying is if we don't believe in the power of Jesus to do those things, to heal the sick, to turn people's lives around, then why do we bother praying for him in the first place? Right? Take out the laying on of hands, the instant instantaneous miracle stuff, take all that out and just ask yourself, why do I pray for people? Why do I pray for people at night before I go to bed? Why do I pray for people when I wake up? We pray because we believe that God can do something about it. That when we pray, something happens. That we're doing the work of God when we pray. So if we're going to pray at home and and by ourselves and and for our list of people, and we're going to believe that God's going to work, why can't God work just like that when we pray for somebody right now? And I've seen it. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I've seen people's lives completely transformed by the power of prayer, by what God does when his people do the work while they're still light. While, the, while Jesus is like exuding from them, they're doing his work. So have I participated in the recreating work of God of being recreated, but also are we participating in helping God to recreate? Are we his instruments? And that's, that's what I'm gonna leave you with this week. Think on it.